to stand. We're going to go, uh, we're going to take a look at a, the book of James chapter one. Again, a familiar passage. And as I am learning more and more as I read and study God's word, although a passage is familiar, it's still very important for us to review those passages because we can still learn many things. We can be challenged to grow um, in our Lord. So uh, I'll just read a few passages here, a few verses in James 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve Hebrew tribes scattered abroad among the Gentiles in the dispersion. Greetings, rejoice. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. And Father, Lord, we thank you for preserving your word for us. Lord, we know that you do all things well. You are loving, you are kind. Um, Lord, you are merciful. And Lord, we ask for your wisdom as we, as we take a look at your word. And Lord, we just don't want to be hearers of your word, but Lord, we want to apply it to our lives. We want to, we want to see what you would have for us to learn through these passages. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. I often like to say, if you're over the age of 12, you've experienced some trials in your life. Uh, some things, and some things that will rock your foundation. Um, some things that make us frustrated, angry, bitter. Um, and yet God can and will use those things in our lives if we allow him. The, the same force can either create gratitude in us or create anger and bitterness. And we all know how that works. So uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus, uh, look at how he identifies himself as a bond servant of God. Basically, he's saying he's a slave. He's a slave of his half-brother to the 12 Hebrew tribes scattered abroad among the Gentiles in the dispersion, greetings, rejoice. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Now usually, when I've read this passage in the past, and I'm sure you all have too, you read it and it's like, huh? Consider it all joy when I fall into various trials? When, when I'm hurting? When I've been forsaken, counted all joy, that doesn't make sense. Verse 3, be assured, and, and here's where the joy comes. 
be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance. In the King James, it says produces patience. The word in Greek is hupomone. And listen to the, um, let's see if it's up here. Yes, it is. The definition, a cheerful or hopeful endurance. I'm going to pause for a moment and let you think about that. In the midst of trials, when I acknowledge God and allow those trials to work, they will produce a cheerful or hopeful endurance, a constancy through trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance leading to spiritual maturity. How do we grow? Through trials. Doesn't seem to make sense. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. Well, you know, we, we've all heard it. Uh, when people pray for patience, get ready. <laughs> get ready. Or I've heard some people, God, give me patience right now. <laughs> I was through trials. And it's through acknowledging God, realizing, as our last song communicated to us, that he is a good, good father. It doesn't feel like it at times. Sometimes it's, God, what are you doing? I don't get it. But you know, that's, I believe that's exactly where God wants us to be, to say, I don't get it. Because then I have to go to him. I have to say, okay, God, I don't understand it. This hurts. It doesn't make sense. But God, I need your wisdom. I want to rest in you. Let's continue. Oh, and the second part of this definition, the characteristic hupomone, patience, endurance, the characteristic of a man who is unswerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. Okay, disclaimer here. I haven't conquered this. I, I, but thankfully, God is working with me. He's teaching me how, how to trust, how to rest. And here's the thing. We can't trust someone we don't know. Let me say it again. We can't trust someone we don't know. If we don't have an intimate relationship with God, we can't trust him. That's why 
you were encouraged to spend time, daily time in God's word, in prayer. Learning his character. And I believe all of us, most of us, can say, you know what? No, he is a good, good father. He doesn't do it the way I would do it, and that's a good thing. Because, <laughs> again, we all have opinions on the way things should be done, right? I think, <laughs> I think it should be done this way. God, I thought you should have done it this way. No, his way is always better. And here's where it ties in in verse, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. When we encounter trials, when we encounter challenges, I think by definition, it, we're, you know, we're confused, we don't know what to do, which hopefully should prompt us to say, God, God help. God, I need wisdom. And God encourages us. He says, please, come to me for wisdom. And he gives it generously. He doesn't say, uh, so you're finally here, huh? He says, no, come. We see this theme also in uh, Hebrews 4. In fact, I didn't give uh, media that, but let's, let's go there for just a moment. I'm going to pull it up. We often see themes echoed in Scripture because it's, there are things that we really need to know. Hebrews 4, we'll start at verse 14. Inasmuch then as we believers have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith and cling tenaciously to our absolute trust in him as Savior. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations, but one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Here's something that I have found, and I, I'm sure you all have experienced it too. When I experience a trial, something challenging, something tough, I really, I'm not looking for advice. I'm not looking for, this is what you ought to do. I just want someone to walk beside me. Just someone to be there and just to say, you know what, I, I hear you, I feel you. That settles me. What I often don't appreciate is when, when someone says, well, you should try this. No, <laughs> no, just let me, let me work through this. Here's another thing that I believe we, we should do when we encounter things is 
we need to examine ourselves. We need to assess where we are. I, I am learning. It's not so much what happens to us, but how we respond to it. Because again, the, the same stimuli can produce anger, bitterness, or gratitude. It hurts either way, but how am I gonna respond to this? Okay, continuing here in verse 16. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace, that is the throne of God's gracious favor, with confidence and without fear, so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in the time of need. An appropriate blessing coming just as the right moment. You, you see how the themes unite in the James passage and here in Hebrews? When I don't know what to do, when I lack wisdom, God encourages me to come to him and request it, and he will be happy. He will gladly share his wisdom with me. Here in Hebrews 4, when I've blown it, when I've failed, Jesus says, I understand, I understand how it feels to be human. I understand your frailties. So come to me with confidence so that you may receive mercy and grace to help in the time of need. I remember, this was maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I was having, um, I was experiencing some challenges at work. Um, just, you know, a lot of crazy stuff going on, some things that I thought were not quite fair. And I was wrestling with telling my wife about it. Because, you know, as men, we're, we're strong, right? We, we're not supposed to have troubles, right? No. We, we handle everything, right? Yeah, that, that's what men do. We handle stuff, right? <laughs> so, you know, this had been going on, it had been going on for a while. And I was overwhelmed. I was tired. But I'm going back and forth. Man, if I tell my wife, she's going to think I'm weak. So I, I can't tell her. But I said, I have to because I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. And I, I was going back and forth, back and forth. Finally, I said, you know what, I'm going to tell her. I said, babe, I am wiped out at work. I'm just tired. I'm, I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to quit. She opened her arms and gave me a hug. And she said, I understand. And then I said to myself, why did it take me so long? <laughs> <laughs> that is a microcosm of what God wants from us. When we're overwhelmed, when we're stressed out, God's saying, come here. Let's talk about it. Pour out your heart. And he's not going to lay a guilt trip on us. He's saying, I, I invite you to come 
read it again. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear. Here's something else that I've learned. In our relationships, I want to say this the right way. We are afraid of being rejected in all of our relationships. We're afraid of being rejected. So here's what we do. We put up a facade. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm not hurt. That what you said didn't bother me. But it really did. It really did bother me. But I'm not going to let you know that. God removes all of that and says, come. Pour out your heart to me. Psalm 62 and 8, I believe, says, pour out your heart to God. He is a refuge for us. But the question is, do we take advantage of that? Because of the hurts that, again, if you're over 12, the hurts that we've experienced in our lives cause us to cover up. Think about what happened with Adam and Eve. Um, before the fall, I believe it's Genesis 2, somewhere around 23, says they were naked and not ashamed. What happened when they sinned? They covered up. And they started blaming. Adam, what did you do? It wasn't me. It was this fine woman you gave me. <laughs> Eve, what did you do? It, it wasn't me. It was a serpent. All right, let's go back to James. Again, here at verse 5, James 1, verse 5, doing my time check. Okay. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. But he must ask for wisdom in faith without doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. Um, I think sometimes we need to learn how to do this, how to present. Uh, let me give you an example. That for years, this was, this was probably 20 or 30 years. Well, actually, you know what? Let me stop. I still do it sometimes now. Instead of pouring out my authentic heart to God, I craft my prayer in a certain way so that I look good and I'm protecting myself. And then I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is God. He knows my heart anyway. And again, God has told us in his word, come to me. Pour out your heart. Be honest. I know what you're thinking anyway. 
you know what, if you're having a, if you're having a, tr a problem with whatever it is, we say it to God. God, I'm having a challenge in this, in this area. I'm not addressing it the way you want me to. And God, I want to do that, but I'm, I'm just having a challenge. And I can hear God saying, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. Okay, but he must ask for wisdom and faith without doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. I am confident that all of us experience restlessness at times. But again, the question is, what do we do with that? Do, do I camp in the restlessness? Or do I say, acknowledge, God, I'm restless right now. I'm anxious. God, and you know that. And I want to experience your peace. God, I know you are faithful. It doesn't feel like it right now. And the, the great thing is we see this with a number of biblical personalities. We see them struggling through things, but as they pour out their hearts to God, as they learn to trust, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, these guys are, they're like, no, I'm going to do it my way. One of my favorite stories is Abraham. God tells him in his old age, you're going to have a son. He fell on the ground laughing. <laughs> he said, God, there's no way this is going to happen. My wife and I are old. And here's, and here's what it was. Abraham had never seen that before. So in his mind, it's like it can't happen. But yet we see later on down the road, you know, God gives him Isaac. And we see where God told him, take your son and sacrifice him. Abraham said, okay, I got you. God wants us to rest and trust. And this doesn't happen in 15 minutes. Trusting God doesn't happen in 15 minutes. Doesn't happen in 15 days. It's that ongoing trust and rest. And just because we've trusted him once does not guarantee that we're going to trust him again. Every situation presents a new challenge, an opportunity for us to rest and to trust. Okay. Verse 9. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Hebrews. Let's go over to Hebrews. Another example of that. This ties into resting in God. So there remains a full and complete Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has once entered his rest, God's rest, 
has also rested from the weariness and pain of his human labors. What I have found, and I'm sure you all have too, when I'm trying to figure stuff out, it gets me tired. When I'm trying to work through everything and, well, if I do this, this will happen and that and then that and that, you know what, I'm tired. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest of God to know and experience it for ourselves so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience as those who died in the wilderness. We know the story. Those, uh, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, they saw all of God's miracles. He saw them deliver them through the Red Sea. They saw the bodies of the Egyptians washing up on the shore. They praised God. This is great. One chapter later, they didn't find water, and what they started doing? Complaining. It would have been better for us to stay in Egypt when all this great food and meat and never mind that slavery thing. But life was so great back in Egypt. We have to guard against that ourselves. For God is, God is encouraging us to trust him through trials. Okay, back to James 1, verse 9. Let the brother in humble circumstances glory in his high position as a born-again believer, called to the true riches and to be an heir of God. And the rich man is to glory in being humbled by trials, revealing human frailty, knowing true riches are found in the grace of God. For like the flower of grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass. Its flower falls off and its beauty fades away. So too will the rich man in the midst of his pursuits fade away. All of us are the same at the foot of the cross, wherever we are, whatever our economic status, the brother in homo circumstances, glory in his high position as a born-again believer, realizing our faith, our trust, our validation is in God. It's not in where we are. The same with the rich. God, thank you that you have provided whatever this is, but realizing that our true riches are found in God. Verse 12, blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, favored by God is the man who is steadfast under trial and perseveres when tempted. For when he has passed the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And again, back to that theme of resting and trusting God. As we rest, as, it, as uh, we saw in, back up to verse 4, and let en endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. 
There have been times when I've pressed the eject button during a trial. Like, okay, that's enough. I'm, I'm just gonna do it my way. Any of you guys done that? Can I see a nod? Yeah, I think many of us have, where, okay, I'm tired of this. I, it's not fair. God, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do what I know will work. And does it ever work? No. No, it makes it worse. And then afterwards, we're saying, why did I, why did I do that? Again, verse 12, blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, favored by God is the man who is steadfast under trial and perseveres when tempted. I can't persevere by myself. I have to go to God. I have to acknowledge God's sovereignty. I have to, many times when I'm experiencing things, I'm rehearsing passages in my head. Um, Psalm 145 and 17 is a passage that God gave me when my wife passed away. God is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. This was a passage God gave me the morning after my wife died. God is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. When I'm experiencing something now, I will rehearse that God is righteous in all his ways, all his ways, and kind in all his deeds. Did losing my wife feel like an act of kindness? No. You all have heard me share this many times. By far, it's been the most painful experience of my life. But... I have found this passage to be true where God has used that to give me greater empathy for people. We, we, have, uh, we have a grief ministry here at the fellowship. And um, when we met yesterday, and when all of us get together, we, we have some graduates over here. <laughs> they don't need us anymore. <laughs> but we can see healing through the pain because again like I said earlier when we're all sitting together as you know people who have lost spouses loved ones mothers fathers whatever and we're just telling our stories I know there have been uh, there have been times where different ones we, we kind of go around and each one tells their story of loss and you can just see people just nodding like, hmm. knowing that someone else has felt how I feel is comforting. I don't have to explain anything to any, Mike, I don't have to explain anything to you, do I? Nope, nope. Can, can I use you for an example, Mike? Okay, a few years ago, um, uh, Martha Rivera came to me and said, uh, my brother-in-law lost his wife. What can I tell him to make him feel better? I said, nothing. <laughs> nothing. 
he has to go through the experience himself. I don't know, a few weeks later, we had a men's study. He walked up to me, he said, I'm Mike. I said, oh, we didn't have to say anything to each other, but there was a connection. We've talked about various things. Now, thankfully, Evie lost her husband a few years ago. But look at him over there. I'm going to call him out. Look at him happy over there. <laughs> but see, that's God's healing through trials for them. They met each other through, well, they knew each other, but they met each other through their loss, and now they're enjoying each other. Doesn't make sense to us that through trial, beauty can result. But that's how God works. But we have to rest and wait, and that's where the challenge is. I don't want to wait. <laughs> I want the answer right now. God, you're not fair. Uh, one of the ladies who was uh, with us yesterday, I don't know, is Carmen here today? Oh, she's in the back. Okay, Carmen, um, I'm going to wave at you back there. Um, actually, I pr should probably ask permission if I can share this. Yeah. Let me just kind of go around it. And we've all experienced this. When, when we experience... trials in succession. You're just, you're just getting hit. Boom, boom, boom. The response can be, God, you're not right. God, you're not fair. We've all heard it. If God was so loving, why did he If God was so kind, why did he fill in the blank? And I'll say this. I get it. I get the question. I've heard theologians say pain is one of the hardest things for us to deal with in life. And that's one of the challenges of apologetics, you know, communicating the faith with someone. That's where trust comes in, rest. That's where knowing God, knowing the character of God. God, I don't understand it, can't explain it, but God, I'm going to rest in you. Okay. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For temptation does not originate from God, but from our own flaws. Do we have any flawed people in here? <laughs> I'll, I'll raise both my hands. For God cannot be tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each one is tempted when he is dragged away, enticed, and baited to commit sin. 
by his own worldly desire, lust, passion. Then when the illicit desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin has run its course, it gives birth to death. Do not be misled, my beloved brothers and sisters. Every good thing and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning. For he is perfect and never changes. And Pastor Randy shares, um, is it Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Our hearts, my heart, your heart, our hearts are a mess. Can I get an amen? <laughs> when we feel we've been wronged, see, I, I heard the groan, so I don't even have to say it. <laughs> when we feel like someone has treated us unfairly, Our initial response is, really, it's God get them. Isn't it? Oh, no, not me. I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we do. It's God, they, they did me wrong. God, teach them a lesson. Isn't that right? Yes. God, get them. I'm going to let that hang in the air for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, our hearts are wicked. But see, when I would hear that verse years ago, I said, it's not talking about my heart. <laughs> Which emphasizes the fact that our hearts are wicked. The most important, important person in my life is no, no, it's me. <laughs> Here's a, an example I always use. We take a group picture, right? You guys know where I'm going. Take a group picture. And now since we're not in the 70s, we don't have to wait two weeks for it to come back. <laughs> See, the kids don't know what I'm talking about. On another note, let me say this. Let me get sidetracked for just a second, and I'll go back to it. I heard something about, it was about a space capsule or something that's going somewhere or whatever. And they said, the capsule is the side of a size of a phone booth. And then they said, we'll have to explain what a phone booth is. <laughs> What's, what does a phone book look like? Here's another distraction for me. I have a rotary dial phone at home. Oh, I bought one at the antique store. I don't use it. I just, I bought it and I have it in my room. When I was teaching, I took it to school. I put it in front of some 14-year-olds uh, and I said, how does that work? And I started laughing. Some had the, the hook switch on and they're dialing it and everything. That's not it. That's not how it works. 
Okay, where was I before I got off on my track here? <laughs> where was I? Photo, great. Okay, we take a picture. You know, I have my iPad here, I could take a picture of all of you. And I say, okay, we'll put the picture on the screens. Everyone can look terrible, but if I look good, that's a good picture. Conversely, everyone can look good, but if I look bad, we need to do that again. <laughs> That's the wicked heart that says, it's about me. Can I get an amen? <laughs> All right. Let's go back to James 1. And the key, my point in that, there was a point that I had in that. We have to acknowledge that about ourselves in the midst of trials. Okay. When, not if, but when we experience trials, how am I processing that? There, there are times, really, when I've said, in my head, I hadn't said it to anyone, but God, this isn't fair. God, I've been, and let me, I'm going to change my voice to say this. God, I've been faithful to you. <laughs> and you're allowing this to happen, and those people over there, seeming, it seems like they don't have any problems. And I'm struggling over here. God, that's, that's not fair. Why are you allowing this to happen to your wonderful servant, Willie? <laughs> and by the laughter, you guys have felt the same way. <laughs> but, and this is why these passages are here for us, being reminded, again, with the song, you are a good, good father. Whatever you have allowed, it, it's going to hurt. It, it's not going to be the absence of pain. It's, how am I going to respond to this? God, you're allowing this to draw me closer to you. There is something in my life that is rebellious, that is not glorifying to you. You want me to rest in you, to trust you. Here's something we discussed in men's prayer yesterday. We talked about the busyness of our age. Well, you know, nowadays it's, we're all, I was going to say we're all, I'm not because I'm retired, but if you're working, if you're doing, you're busy, super busy. And if we're not careful, that crowds out time with the Lord. I've, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. My day is full. And there's nothing wrong with that unless time with God is being pushed out. And that's what our enemy wants. He doesn't want us to spend time with God. I've, you know, I've heard, let me switch to relationships, marriages. I've heard, you know, nowadays there are many couples who may spend 20 minutes with each other in face-to-face -face conversation per day because of the busyness of schedules. 
that can't sustain a relationship. We are relational beings and we thrive on authentic, intimate connections with each other. It's life-giving. And when we don't have that, it creates a problem. Okay. Verse 17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning, for he is perfect and never changes. Okay, question. Do I believe that? Now, I'll say this. I believe it theoretically, but practically, do I believe that God never changes in the context of the trial in my life, that he's using it to, to, for me to grow? Do I really? You don't have to answer it. I'm just, you know, I'm just having us think. Do my actions communicate that I trust that God is not changing, that whatever he does in my life, he's doing it for me to grow and grow closer to him? Let's think about Pastor Randy. What was it, eight months ago? And even before that, the two or three years before that, with, you know, we saw what happened with Jeanette, how she just declined rapidly. And he was one of the prime caregivers, and he saw her rapid decline. Them being married 50, 51 years. And we, we've heard him, we've heard him share both sides of the story where, man, it was painful for him to watch Jeanette. Had to be. But also realizing, as he shared many times, that she is in the presence of the Lord now. So again, the two things can be true at the same time. He misses Jeanette tremendously. And yet he can rejoice that she is in the presence of the Lord. He can rejoice that she didn't see him suffer in the same way. Now, and he shared this, he, he said, I know that my mother will be transitioning very soon now. And now that day has come. So on the heels of losing his wife, now he's lost his mother. That's a lot to take. And if I don't have a foundation, I'm going to be a, an upset person. I'm going to say, I'm going to overlook that God is faithful. He's not changing. He has a purpose. I, I can go into, no, no, that's, that's not right. All right, verse 18, it was of his own will that he gave us birth as his children by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, a prime example of what he created to be set apart to himself. 
sanctified, made holy for his divine purposes. God has a purpose for all of us. But we can't fulfill that purpose if we're not resting and trusting him in our lives. If we're doing things the way we want them to, the way we want to do them, then we can't fulfill God's purpose. And I'm, I am learning God's purpose isn't necessarily this grand thing. I'm traveling over to Australia to minister to 50,000. His purpose is often one-on-one -on -one with those in our sphere of influence. As we walk in patience, in love, here's something I'm learning to do, and it, and it really, it comes from losing my wife. I'm learning to listen more to people. You, you see how I stopped? I'm learning to listen. I'm learning not just to hear what they say, but the deeper meaning behind what they're saying. I'm learning to think about some of their life experiences, how it has shaped how they respond to things. Because you know, again, back to the 12-year-old thing, you know we all have baggage, right? <laughs> we all have baggage. I heard on Focus on the Family, I think it was either Wednesday or Thursday, when two people get married, it's a marriage of at least six. The person and their mother and father. That other person and their mother and father. Because, you know, we bring our family stuff into our relationship. Well, you don't cook like my mom did. <laughs> well, you're not able to fix things like my dad. You know, my dad always made pancakes on Saturday morning. So we're dealing with, we have baggage. And here's the thing. Many times we don't know we have baggage until we start. When someone else says, why do you do it that way? You say, I fix my, why do you do it that way? That's not the way my dad did it. Okay, <laughs> time check. All right, it's time to start landing this plane. Let me, uh, Okay, God is preparing us. He desires to prepare us, to mold us into the image of Christ, and that is work, depending on how we respond to it. See, Linda's on the front row. I can... <laughs> Let's look at... Oh, here's one, yes. Proverbs 17, 27 through 28, 27 and 28. This is what I was sharing earlier. 
He who has knowledge restrains and is careful with his words. And a man of understanding and wisdom has a cool spirit, self-control, an even temper. Even a callous, arrogant fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is regarded as sensible, prudent, discreet, as a man of understanding. I don't have to say everything that comes to mind. I don't have to say everything that comes to mind. And that can get us, well, not get us out of trouble, but keep us from getting in trouble. Uh, Vince, you shared yesterday. <laughs> Monica here? Okay. I'm, I'm not going to tell the story. <laughs> no, it was, it was good. It was good. He was... Vince was honoring Monica. But all of us have said things that we wished we wouldn't have said, and you can't unsay it. I can say, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Okay, James 1, verse 21. So get rid of all uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness and with a humble spirit receive the word of God. When we spend time with the Lord in his word, we are to come to the word with a humble spirit. As I said, I've read James 1. Let me see. I started really reading the Bible probably... Well, I started a, a daily reading plan probably like 25 years ago. So I've read James 1 at least 25 times. And before that, you know, I would look at different passages and, oh, that's interesting. But as I was studying for this yesterday and I read through this, I got some new insights like, oh, oh. God, you, you love us, so you allow us to experience trials so that we can come to you, we can acknowledge our frailty, we can realize that we're not in control of things, and that you desire to guide us, you love us. I'm like, huh, I said, that's a pretty good plan. Huh. with a humble spirit receive the word of God which is implanted actually rooted in your heart which is able to save your souls aha but here it is but prove yourselves doers of the word actively and continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in a mirror. How many people looked in the mirror this morning? Can I see a show of hands? Okay. I didn't see every hand raised, so I'm concerned. 
For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it, Pastor Randy says, says this a lot, it's not the word per se that changes our lives, it's our obedience to it. Because if I'm reading the word and not, not applying it, the word of God has become dangerous to me. If I'm just reading it to collect information and share with you what you need to do to change, and I'm not applying it to myself, the word is dangerous to me. Because I've deluded myself to say, I'm good. I got this. I don't need this instruction because I've read it for 25 years. I know what it says. Twenty-four, for once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like, looked like. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in his life of obedience. God is reminding us to apply the word, especially when we're talking about allowing trials to change us. I, I get it. I, I'm not a huge fan of trials. I don't like them, to be quite honest with you. But I realize the necessity of them. They don't feel good. But I'm learning when I slow down and I listen and I go to God. Something that's really hard, I think, for all of us to admit is, is to be able to say, I don't know. I, I don't know. Willie, what do you think about this situation? Honestly, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer. Willie, what should I do in this situation? Uh, one of my neighbors will ask me at times, Willie, I know you study the Bible. What should I do? I don't know. I don't know. But I will say, I said, let's, let's take a look at what the word of God says. I'm not going to give you my opinion. My opinion is no good. Sometimes my opinion is no good to me. All right, let's wrap up with this, because now we're, we're like 100 feet above the, <laughs> it's coming in, it's coming in, it's coming in, I'm slowing down. <laughs> Hebrews 3, 12 through 14, take care, brothers and sisters, that there not be in any one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart, which refuses to trust and rely on the Lord. A heart that turns away from the living God. That's some pretty strong language, isn't it? Because see, here's what we can do. We can look at when we, when we encounter a situation, we encounter a trial, and if I decide, uh, you know, I know God wants me to trust him and to be patient, but I, I you know, I just don't want to do it. I, I'm going to try something else. 
And we can rationalize that and say, ah, it's okay. No, the Bible says we're, we're demonstrating that we have a wicked, unbelieving heart. And thankfully, God is, is kind of tapping us on the shoulder, loving, and I'll say this, he's lovingly saying, I have a better plan for you. Take care, brothers and sisters, that there not be in any one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart which refuses to trust. We talked about this yesterday in men's prayer. See, it's one thing when we encounter a situation and we just acknowledge it's hard and it's hard for me to trust. That's one thing. But to say, I'm not going to trust, that's another thing. God, you've told me to do this and I'm just not going to do it. We're, we're not going to, we're not going to verbalize that really to anybody. Willie, you know, if someone came to me and said, Willie, I know you're dealing with a trial and God has told you to do this, what are you going to do? I'm not going to tell them, I'm not going to trust God. I'm not going to say that. But my actions can communicate that. But continually encourage one, and this is where the family aspect comes in. Maybe I should read the passage before I... <laughs> But continually encourage one another every day, as long as it is called today and there is an opportunity so that none of you will be hardened into settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin, its cleverness, delusive glamour, and sophistication. Isn't that how sin works? Sin looks good. What did the serpent tell Eve? Did God really, did he really say that? Did he really, you know, actually what he was saying was, he's just afraid that you're going to be like him. That's why he doesn't want you to eat that fruit. It'll be okay. For we believers have become partakers of Christ sharing and all that the Messiah has for us. If only we hold firm our newborn confidence which originally led us to him until the end. Our lives of faith are not easy, but they are rewarding. And all of us here can say, God, those times I have trusted you, and I have waited patiently for you. And again, we saw with the definition of patience. Let me go back to it. Cheerful or hopeful endurance. Constancy. As I'm trusting God, and, and this is to myself, I want to be optimistic. Not like, oh, I got to trust you. No. Oh, God, I'm going to trust you. <laughs> it's, no, God, you are that good, good father. And you have a plan for me to grow in my faith. You want me to grow closer to you. This, this doesn't feel great, but okay, God. God, I, I want to trust you. I want to rest in you. I want to be still in you. Father, we do 
worship you on this morning. Lord, we acknowledge our need for you. We are thankful that you love us so much that you allow us to experience trials and you've given us access to you. Lord, you desire for us to grow and to experience who you are. Lord, you see Pastor Randy, he's hurting right now. But Lord, we know that you're faithful. This is a, this is a trial for him on top of losing Jeanette. Lord, we ask that you just continue to encourage him and Lord, we, we are thankful that um, his faith continues to grow, his trust in you. Again, Lord, we want to be those doers of your word and not hearers only. Lord, and we praise you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.